Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Let's bring in Tim Brando now, who's our guest here at the Touchdown Club. Good to see you. Good to see you, fellas. Great to be with you. Yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed your call on Saturday, and I've been... I'm a Big 12 guy. I went to Iowa State. Mm-hmm. They're not really relevant, but TCU is still. They keep passing the test. Well, let me tell you about Iowa State. They're the best 0-4 team, right, in, uh, in, in any conference. And they've been in every game. I mean, Iowa State's not bad. They should have beaten Texas. Yeah. You know, and uh, everybody keeps telling us Texas is back. Texas is back. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> uh, but that league, the Big 12, is um, they're in great shape. And their new commissioner's done a hell of a job. They're about to announce a brand new television contract that will exceed by i think six to seven million dollars per team what their the going rate was when they had both texas and oklahoma in the league mm-hmm. so that is uh that's the that's that's quite a that's yeah. quite a accomplishment uh for them and i think part of the reason is they are uh right now in the middle of a great season with a lot of teams that that can beat you on any given day mm-hmm. and I thought Saturday night, without question, we had the game of the night. That was the most uh, palatable uh, game on TV. And uh, and both TCU and K-State, I thought, put on a tremendous show. And uh, that was the second week in a row they got down by double-digit points with, uh, you know, just a couple of minutes left in the second quarter, down 18. They were down 17 to Oklahoma State the week before and came back and won both. So that tells you a little bit about you know, them, that the fact that they can not only score a lot of points, but their defense can make adjustments and shut people out. I mean, they won the second half 28 to nothing Yeah. <laughs> after giving up a lot of points in the first half. So uh, I'm asked a lot, you know, how about TCU? And I'm like, they're legit. They are absolutely legit. You don't want to have to deal with their skilled people on the edge. They've got incredible wide receivers um and and obviously their run game even with zach evans gone you know i think a lot of people thought well they lost evans what, what are they going to do well mm-hmm. uh kendra miller's been great uh the kid demarcado runs strong inside the tackles so uh they're a good football team arkansas finished their last game before the bye week on a high note you know we <laughs> the byu win maybe doesn't feel as good as it did after mm-hmm. they got smoked at liberty this last weekend but what do you think about Arkansas and their, their potential to, uh, I guess, run the table down the stretch here with five left? Well, somebody from that group, whether it's uh, Arkansas or LSU, uh, and who knows, uh, Ole Miss, I think, um, in the second half kind of lost it. They mm-hmm. got discombobulated. Uh, I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond from being drubbed in the second half the way they were. They were physically manhandled in the second half, and a lot of people thought that Ole Miss would physically manhandle LSU. It was just the opposite. But somebody besides Alabama from the SEC West could really get on a roll here. And uh, I don't think the margin between Alabama, you guys know, you saw Arkansas, that you, without the dynamic plays in the second half, Arkansas comes back and might have had a chance to win that game. I don't think that the, the so-called uh, space between the elite, so-called elite, you know, the Georgia-Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, the Georgia-Clemson, um, uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah. You know, I don't think that the margin is that great between them and the rest of the field. And and Tennessee now has been launched into that conversation because of their win. But, I mean, listen, 
if Arkansas had just not given up the big plays after they clawed to within, what was it, four or five points in the game? I think right. it was 28-23 at one yep. point. This story could have been just as easily Arkansas rather than rather than Tennessee. College football's landscape has never been flatter. Okay, there's more parity out there than people realize. The problem is that no one remembers how, how much parity there is because the lasting impression is always the four teams that get in. And the four teams are the same damn four teams every year yeah. or, or some reasonable facsimile thereof. And so that's what, well, we already know who's going to be in. It's going to be the brand names. Well, if we had 12 now, think how much excitement there would be. Mm -hmm. Just look at the landscape of where we are right now with the the polls, 1 through 16 or 1 through 12. And tell me, especially knowing that the higher seeds would be at home for the opening round on campuses, right? How exciting would it be? And think about, all those teams that might be playing, for instance, TCU was uh, number eight, K-State was number 17. Think how much more validity that game would have had if we were talking about trying to get into 12 spots, not four spots. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to enhance the regular season. It's not going to hurt the regular season. It's going to enhance it, no doubt about it. Because that win, you think, it, it puts TCU square in, in, yeah. in the top 12. We still don't – I mean, TCU might get in the Final Four, but I don't think they do. But right. if there's 12, I'm thinking now they're a playoff team. That's why you're seeing these presidents have these meetings right now in Dallas. And so they basically told the commissioners, you know, I don't care uh, how upset you are uh, with Greg Sankey for stealing Oklahoma and Texas while he was in the middle of talking to you about uh, expanding the playoff in the Big 12 – we got to fix this. Enough with your hurt feelings and your propaganda machines. The, the presidents now know how much more money is at stake. And, and, and they know, listen, one thing uh, the academic world and the athletic world have in common is an insatiable appetite for cash. Okay? And they need the money now more than ever. And you're going to get it uh, by just delivering more inventory to television. Sports television has never been greater in the impact of viewer habits on network television than it is right now. People aren't watching dramas during the week. They want live sports. Mm -hmm. The company I worked for was founded on football. Fox founded their network on the NFL contract. And now they have built their portfolio, and they are the most active uh, competitor to ESPN that there is out there. We bid on everything. Okay, except the SEC, who chose not to allow us to bid. Okay, they chose not to allow a bid process to take place, and as a result, the SEC lost money. They are, you know, they did. Uh, the Big Ten is 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 going to make more money because they did their deal a year before it goes into place. The SEC did their deal with ESPN four years out. So the 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 money, if the shorter the contract, the more money you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why, why they decided to do that, that, that's their business. It's not my call. But I just think financially it was an error. Uh, and and uh, they would be making more money now. CBS is and what, what, a, what a mistake my old company made by not uh, giving Mike Slive more money for Missouri and um, Texas A&M coming into the league. Uh, they basically shut down their arrangement, and, and that's why the, the deal with ESPN was made for the 330 window. And now CBS is paying the Big Ten $50 million more than 
than than the SEC is going to make for the for the games in the afternoon window, mm-hmm. and I, I still believe the Big Ten is not playing to the standards of the SEC, yet they're getting more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just business. You know, it's just the way the business operates, and um, you know, I think that people have to understand that in, in, unless you're watching cable news at night. Okay, most of America wants to see a live sporting event at mm-hmm. night. That's why the NFL is on Thursday nights on um, streaming video. It's why, you know, Sunday night, Monday night, they're just packing it full because people want to see live sports television now. You know, they just do. I was very impressed with LSU's win over Ole Miss. Uh, what, what do you think about LSU and the, and the changes or the, the way they've been able to improve week by week? Well, I was bullish on the hiring of Brian Kelly from the – the jump uh, he's the most accomplished head coach from a resume standpoint that they've ever hired i mean he just is um i mean look at the litany of coaches that were brought in after charlie mcclendon left okay just look at it who who was hired why they were hired what was their experience okay um this guy has done everything but win a national championship and he thinks that this is the last stop that can get him that and he's going to have personnel uh, to work with that he never had before. Yeah, I know Notre Dame, as Beano Cook used to say, they always have material. You know, I don't want to hear that. But the truth is, Notre Dame uh, could not take in players that LSU will take in. Okay, And as a result, he's going to have more talent more often at LSU than he ever would at Notre Dame. And uh, I think within five years, he's going to win a national championship. If Les Miles, Ed Orgeron can't get national championships in their stay don't tell me brian kelly can't get a national championship or maybe another one mm-hmm. because um that's still geographically a great spot to be as the only state institution that is playing at the power five level and bringing in you know great athletes and there's more great talent in louisiana per capita than there is in just about any state near its size that's why Saban took the job when he took the job in the early 2000s. Yeah. He knew how many Louisiana players were in the National Football League. No, it's not Florida. It's not Georgia. It's not Ohio or California but or it's Texas. Also, it's not East Lansing either. That's right. And you're not – you. yeah, it's not East Lansing, and you you command the state. Yeah, you're not competing. All you need to do is close out – put a build a fence around Louisiana and just get your fair share out of uh, South – Texas or center, you know, the center of Texas, which LSU's always always been able to do, mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. Um, you know the uh, the A and M uh, circumstances. I, I, the off season, everybody was talking about. Well, you know, it's Texas A and M is offering the stiffest challenge. Really, since when? When has Texas A and M not been anything other than an eight and four program? Uh, COVID year, they won ten games. Bravo. Okay. You can't just go out and get five stars and win the 24-7, 365 magazine crap that we have in the spring and the summer and expect to win a national title. you got to have some grunts. you got to have some legacies. you got to have, you know, that's that's what I love about what Sam Pittman is doing uh, here at Arkansas is he's, he's building a program that's based, yeah, you want to get as many five stars or four stars as you can, but getting two and three stars and developing them and having them there for the right reasons, you know, legacies, guys that grew up wanting to be Razorbacks. You know, that's how you build successful programs. How do you think Kansas State stays relevant all these years? 
you know. Maybe they're not winning national titles, but my God, what what uh, Stewart did uh, at at, at K State was incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's not a job that guys like Jimbo or Nick Saban ever want to take. Mm-hmm. They want to go where the players are plentiful, and they know that they've got the infrastructure to be successful. Um, but, th- but those programs have a place in college football, you know, and uh, I, I think I think. Uh, when you look at LSU's play this year, yeah, they're going to be a little bit up and down because they got a whole new system coming in, a quarterback that's a transfer that's trying to get along with wide receivers that he had never met. Kayshawn Butte and, and Daniels definitely had a little bit of a, a rift. They settled that, you know, and I think uh, a guy with, with Kelly's background knows how to deal with those kinds of issues. And see, Ed, as much as I love Ed, Ed was not built that way. That's not part of his construct, you know. As Ed would say, well, I tell you what, they're going to have a hard time getting 2019 again, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ed, Ed is in a great spot because for, for years, years beyond where we are, he'll always be the head coach of that magical season. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably resurface again as a coach. Uh, somewhere else at some other time but i do believe he's a louisiana legend and always will be yeah but i think brian kelly for the long haul was absolutely the right call for lsu talking to tim brando if you can't tell by the voice i think we all all of us kind of grew up listening to you call Mm -hmm. games i'm curious about uh when you knew when did it click for you you're like i want to be a broadcaster oh gosh six seven years old you know i mean really my dad was in television and uh helped uh, put the first two tv stations on the air in my hometown both Channel 12 and Channel 3, uh, and I grew up in, a, in, in that environment. Was and he a sports guy? He was everything. You know, when you were a pioneer yep. broadcaster of the 50s, he did kiddie shows. He had a show called Tops for Toys where you bid bottle tops for toys from the toy fair, and and uh, you would come and be in the studio, and he'd play cartoons and interview, the, like Arthur Godfrey in the old days interviewing kids. Dad did that. He had a band called Hub Brando and the Dreamers. He was a crooner, sort of a, you know, Dean Martin type guy, you know, that could sing and, and uh, play the trombone. The band would go on these tours. We played sack air bases all across the country. I played the drums and sang Me and My Shadow and You're Too Old to Cut the Mustard Anymore with my father. I was part of the show. So I was in front of people uh, from the time I can remember. And uh, TV was also just becoming big and sports television especially on saturdays and i i fell in love with chris Schenkel, bud wilkinson keith jackson lee gross cup uh kurt gowdy jim simpson all these guys that i hear for a few frank Burrows games over the years oh yeah just a few and uh i i absolutely uh, as i got my career going um i would come into arkansas to do a game and i would always stop by frank's office uh, because a lot of times on the weekend when I did the game, he would be gone with Keith calling a game. So I would come in early enough so I could see him. Uh, and I, 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 he, he was my entree to Keith Jackson. I got to meet Keith because of Frank. And uh, he liked it when I did the impression of Keith and him. He got a kick out of that. And, uh, you know, that's going all the way back to when Quinn Grovey was the quarterback, like 88, 89. Uh, Vince Dooley was doing CFA football with me his first year out of coaching, the 89 season. I had left college game day, moved back to Shreveport, built my dream home at Southern Trace, and um, 
and I was going to call games with Vince that year. I thought we'd do it forever, and then he became the AD at Georgia the next year, and that ended that. Yeah. But um, but I, I I cultivated the history of Frank and Keith, and I think Frank really enjoyed that. Give me and, some Frank. <laughs> can you do it on the spot? Well, it would be uh, yeah, I can do it. The, come on the air with um, uh, Tennessee and Alabama the third Saturday of October, and Keith is right. Well, here we are, college football, the third Saturday of October. Here, ABC's Wide World of Sports brings you college football. Today, from Knoxville, Tennessee, right off Cumberland Avenue, it's the third Saturday of October as Tennessee takes on Alabama. With me is Frank Broyles, the old redhead from Arkansas. Frank, what kind of a ball game do we expect today? Well, Keith, it's going to be a pie football game. Pie football, and there's this running back from Tennessee. There he is, right there on your screen. Uh, there, there he is, right there. Titus Lefford. That you see, Titus. Look at thighs on Titus right there. They're huge, Keith. They're like pistons. But he just keeps on churning with those little choppy steps of his. I'm telling you, look at the thighs there, Keith. And he's just a sophomore. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Classic. Uh, we have to let you go. We're going to yell that. Yeah. yeah. We get By the, the way, every every, every fumble in the 70s that Keith Jackson called, I don't care who was playing, Alabama got it. Okay. <laughs> Penn State's playing Michigan. No, Keith. It's not. It can't be Alabama. Hilarious. But it was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, that's, that's what got me in it. And, uh. And I started doing high school football games when I was uh, 14 years old. Man. So there was no turning back. That's awesome. Oh, well, we're glad. There was no did. backup plan either. That's no. good. <laughs> you were all in. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Tim, has been great uh, listening to you over the years. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Appreciate it. All right. Really good being with yeah, both of you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, thank Tim you. Brando, it's 1125. We've got to hit a break. Wow.